mature catechesis is an ever deepening of the kerygma. You never leave it behind. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am, am, I am indeed joined by my co-host, Dave. Where in the world is Dave Van Vickle? How you doing, Dave? Oh, man, I'm okay. This is, ha- I'm happy to see your face, Gomer. I'm happy to see your face right now. Yeah, I know. It's been too long. Most, most people are. <laughs> yeah, most people are. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's been too long. I've had a whirlwind summer. Actually, today was my yeah. son Sam's first day of seventh grade. So it was first day of school at our house. Really? For just Sam. And then next week, the rest of the kids will go. But I'm sad. I hate I hate when they go back to school. I, I want my family to all be in one room for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, went, I saw a weird The Learning Channel TLC documentary of a family that sleeps together. Oh, yeah. That's and a, the guy yeah, basically... I know it's a thing, but this guy and, and I okay, but that that could not be more the opposite of my family. Oh yeah, me too. Uh, but he <laughs> built weird. a custom bed that is his. The master bedroom is a giant bed. Yeah. So they got like eight mattresses wedged in. And I just remember being like, "Oh no, that's not my life." Look, look, dude, dude, <laughs> I can't wait for my kids to go to the bed. The thing is, before you say anything negative about that, just realize we have friends like that. You and I have. We know people who. Have turned their yeah, master bedrooms into family beds. Yeah. Family <laughs> beds. Just like they did in the Bible, said no one ever. <laughs> so what's it's funny, like when I go to these really uh poor, like indigenous, you know, people still living the same life that they've lived for yeah. hundreds and hundreds of years, right, sure. you know, on a mountaintop. The, the one thing common to every single one of them is the parents have their own room. Yeah. <laughs> they build uh, they yeah. have mud huts and it's like, kids, you're next door. Yeah. You're over right. there. <laughs> Everything else is one giant room. Yeah. It's like the kid's bedroom, the parent's bedroom. Yeah. And the, yeah, uh, it's funny. That is funny. That is funny. <laughs> what? Uh... <laughs> so that's an awkward start. Dave, good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> you too. You too. So what's been going on for you? You've, you've had a rough summer too. Rough summer. Yeah. yeah. It's been pretty brutal. Not fully out of it yet. But uh, I got to tell you, Dave, our, our audience, y'all out there. Y'all been so sweet. We've been getting. I know. Um, I know. People have been sending us like these priests that listen say that they that like, religious order priests have committed to praying for my wife and the repose of our baby's soul. You know, and monthly and like all this stuff. We just get so much. Yeah. So many beautiful responses. People have sent flowers. I think y'all sent flowers like right at the very beginning. Yeah. Of course you did. Course. But it was it was a month ago. Of course. It was a month ago. This Thursday it'll be a month. I feel like I'm going through this up. with you. That's the way I feel. I, I know. hate it very much. I hate <laughs> it so much. I, yeah, it's rough. And so me and Shannon, uh, she's on quarantine as she preps for uh, a final surgery, which we're not looking forward to. So keep us in your prayers on September 10th. Yeah. Um, oh. But uh, also on September 12th is the kickoff for all the programs I'm oh in charge of. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. So, <laughs> yeah, literally. September 10th is a Friday. Then I have a reprieve on that Saturday. And then Sunday I have four parent meetings youth group kickoff life team you know and the whole week is like that so my uh my wife's uh mom and dad are coming down and they're great folks and they're gonna they're gonna stay at a hotel nearby and come and take care of the kiddos while i'm off doing you, do, these you things. didn't want uncle dave to come in and take care of things 
They were like, oh, Dave, he's going to come on down. I was like, oh, he's fine on the other side of Skype. Uh, I don't know if I can handle it in real life. Uh, IRL, no thank you. So, uh, But I did. Last week I got back. I had one of the most interesting events that I've ever done. The provincial okay. assembly for the diocese of Atlanta. So the yeah, right. I remember the you region. This. So it was yeah, Raleigh, uh, Charlotte, Charleston, Savannah, Atlanta, and their bishops came, their auxiliaries came, and uh, the priests of the diocese of all five dioceses were invited to come, and it was on Christus Vivit, which is the uh, motu proprio. No, not the motu proprio. The Ap- post synodal yeah. apostolic exhortation on uh, youth ministry. Do you remember? How they did the synod for the youth? Oh, Do you yeah. remember that? Sure. Yeah, and it was like, controversial and all yeah. this stuff, but they just surveyed tens of thousands or thousands of kids from all over yeah. or youth all over the world, atheists, Christians, Catholics, you know, everyone in between, and then they flew out people to talk to the bishops, right? And then from that they crafted their document, and then from that he crafted the the apostolic exhortation. And so I had to go through it uh, kind of with a fine-tooth comb, and it was really funny. So Luke said, uh, have you ever read Christus Vivit? And I said, that's what airplanes are for. <laughs> so I had, I had read summaries of it, but I never read it yeah. itself. And Pope Francis, he's a pretty long-winded and, and folksy writer. So I get on the plane, and I'm like, I got my document all printed out. I got margins for notes, all this stuff. And, brother, I fell asleep so hard. Oh, so I'm going to the event. I still haven't read the document. This is so, terrible. Who would ever hire you for these yeah. things, Gomer? No one, no one, no one. But here's the funny thing. So I get there, and uh, the event actually, my first talk is at 2 p.m. So I read the document like three times. I wake up early in the morning, get tons of coffee, yeah. and I just plow through it. And I was because I already had my topics that I wanted to talk yeah, about, sure. and I already knew like the outline, and I had uh, read summaries and stuff. So I wasn't going at it totally from the dark. But uh, man, oh man, did I wing it! Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> the closest I've ever come to winging it yeah. to an audience that would be least receptive to a winged right. talk. Right. right? Oh, right. I have my one. Wife is like, Why are you I so have nervous? A, like a pre yeah. you know, thing coming up in in January, I'm already preparing for it because I'm so nervous about it. Which just the in Tulsa, yeah, right? The priest, yeah, yeah. Right, me, you know, my home diocese that I grew up in. It's fine. I'm not jealous at all. <laughs> I'm sure they tried to get not you, but you were probably busy, like speaking I in Hollywood or something to their like email. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, me, Chris Pratt. I'm doing a retreat for him. Uh, not even Catholic, but uh, Gary Sinise will be there. Um, <laughs> just trying to think of Hollywood Republicans. Uh, yeah, so th- it was awesome because the first talk is, a, is a, a somewhat common talk that I've given, which is like, how did we end up here with the state of the youth today in American culture? Yeah. And it went from everything from Alexi de Tocqueville's democracy in America all the way down to like modern like social science research and stuff like that. And it was great like for them to hear the big picture of like, why is why are things so different now than 30 years ago when I was in high school? Okay, right, you know, right. and walking them through all that. And uh, it was really funny because Father Dwight Longenecker yeah, sure. was there and he sat front and center Yikes. right in front of me. And he has a very stoic face. Yeah. And uh, right before I got up, I saw that he had tweeted, you know, at the provincial assembly on youth. I hope our speaker mentions how the youth are, you know, like 
traditional and all this oh, stuff. And I was like, oh gosh, oh gosh, nothing but judgment. But he enjoyed the talks. He came up to me, gave me one of his his new book, um, something about the Hydra of like all these isms that are out there. Yeah. Uh, People say it's good. I he, haven't read he it. He said yet. that he really enjoyed. Yeah, no, I th- I think it's going to be awesome. I've read parts of it. I haven't. I obviously haven't finished it, but um, the parts that I read, I think, are awesome. He's a good writer. So. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I was super nervous. It's like, what do you tell my typical audience as lay people who have never or rarely studied their faith at an academic level? Yeah. And now I'm in a room with people who have spent seven years minimum doing yeah. that, you know, and yeah. all that stuff. So I was super intimidated. But um, turns out most of the speakers that they have in their events are boring, dry. Yeah, of course. Uh, and tell them what they've already heard kind of yeah, thing. Of course. And the number one comment, so I have now three gigs as I go do the diocesan uh, convocations of priests for three different dioceses have asked me to do it. Cool. Um, but it was so funny because they were just like, I've never heard anyone like your presentation format and the content that you went through is like, it's life-changing. All the priests should have been here. Because I did a lot on evangelization and stuff. So... Mm-hmm. Father uh, Father Roberts and Father Cahill, who helped put it on, um, great guys. I mean, they're thoroughly invested in evangelization in their diocese. So it was so cool to to be able to do that. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Also nerve wracking, yeah. but cool. <laughs> so nerve wracking. Yeah, but there was a hotel there, and it was done in the hotel, so I could run up to my room whenever I was scared of the. <laughs> I I usually bishop. just hide in the bathroom. Yeah, at one point, at one point or at several points I was very critical of priests and bishops and their failure in, in pastoral ministry. Yeah. And so afterwards I would go up and I'd be like, what, what do you, how do you think the bishops received it? You know? Cause I said, like, if you don't, if, if you keep your priests at arm's length, if you aren't being a father to your priests, your failures right. and you're ruining, right. if you're not fathering them, there's a reason why priests don't father right. their congregation. Well, they they even know though that though. All, Gilmer, they know it. Even if yeah, they do, but they need. I think they need to be reminded oh, no, of that. No, no, because I agree. I, I agree. think they, I think they don't understand that spiritually we need fathers. Right. You know, we do. Like I need a father in the faith. Like I need to be. You always need that mentorship. You always need that, um, that fatherly love right. that is both stern, you know, and um, and caring. And uh, I said to the priests. When I, and bishops, when I left home yesterday morning, all my kids, they drove me out in the minivan to the airport, and they cried when I left. I said, when you get moved parishes, is anyone going to cry, or are you already an absentee father? Right. And they were like, oh. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. I'm like, come on, guys. We got it. Why do, why do religious orders generate uh, so many vocations compared to diocesan life? It's because when they do ministry, they're with the kids right. they're playing the long game right. if i'm with young people right. young people are gonna be drawn to the religious life right. if i just hire a youth minister and say well you do the work because i don't want to bother then they're never going to become priests and then your job is going to get even worse because every year that goes by that you're not ordaining more men to the priesthood that's just going to get you know, you're going to get another parish yeah <laughs> right right so i don't know it was, it was interesting i was scared the whole time but they liked it and I actually got to plow through the document, um, you know, like I said, with a fine tooth comb, and I loved it. Yeah, well, I well, since you like sprang it on me last night when you were talking about topics, I went ahead and read it, <laughs> and I did like it as well. I mean, there were some things that I was not crazy about, but there were, but I loved most of it. Just 
by far. What 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 stood out to you in what you liked about it? Well, I loved when he talked about the fatherhood thing. Okay, I love that because yeah. it was very clear to me that whoever prepared the preparatory document knows exactly what's going on with youth in America in particular. Well, Western youth. Um, yeah. And I love like the very first kind of proposal he makes where, or maybe it's not the very first, but the proposal he makes, you know, he says, if you've lost your inner vitality, your dreams, your enthusiasm, because I think appealing to them on a repentance basis is not, they're not ready for that yet. So this is a great, a great way to present the gospel. If you've lost your inner vitality, your dreams, your enthusiasm, your optimism, your generosity, uh, I think he says, Jesus stands yeah. before you and he says, uh, arise, you know, arise. And I, I love that part because I just think like if we can start to, I, we're, we're so far away from being able to just preach the gospel, just preach the gospel. We have to realize that, that they have, they have completely adopted a new language of happiness, which is dreams, goals, yeah. progress, those kinds of things, you know, that are not necessarily gospel language. So I, I like that part. I love mm -hmm. it. Yeah. One of the things that stood out to me the most in just my, my presenting it was, I would say maybe his very South American approach to youth ministry as your elders, your elders, your elders, right? Yeah, right, right, right. right? You cannot, like he says all these wonderful things, praising youth and being young and all that stuff. But he always ties it to the groundedness or the word that he uses over and over again is up, uh, being rooted. Yeah. And he has a whole chapter on that. And the way that he sees you being rooted is in connection with your elders. And it is a sad state in American youth ministry where we think we can only do effective youth ministry with young adults. Right. You right. have the 20-somethings ministering to the teenagers, the 30-somethings to the 20-somethings. And it doesn't, it, it's, that's not true. That's a, I think that's a satanic counterfeit of what true ministry is because it says then it's not the family or the community that ministers, yeah. right? It's not the church that ministers, only these, only an age group, right? It's a bizarre, it's a bizarre approach. And to me, it adopts too much of, of the world and the worldly approach to things to, to actually be effective ministry. The, the, so when you were talking about the, the elders, he uses that crazy, yeah. um, like uh, analogy where he talks, I think somebody about the Samoan. Yeah. He said it was a canoe. The church was a canoe, canoe and the yeah. young people are supposed to like, just keep uh, rowing and the elderly keep yeah. their eyes on the stars to sh make sure that they're in the right place. I, I loved it. I love that part. I did too. Yeah. It was a Samoan um, uh, young adult who said that, you know, we have a story that we tell that the, the way that we relate to our elders is a canoe where we do all the paddling, but they, they stare to the stars to make sure we're guiding in the right place. Yeah. And, and that's the role. Like when you look at like the trades, right? The senior tradesmen right. are the ones responsible for the new journey, right? right? The apprentices. Right. And when you don't have that kind of relationship, like let's say you have a trade union where the union becomes more of a bureaucracy, yeah. you then have the senior tradesmen who look at their seniority as a tool of oppression over you. And I hear this all the time in buddies of mine who have left youth ministry for the trades. And they talk about how difficult it can be to break in because the senior, and it's just because of how our economy works and how local stuff works. Um, but that the, those with seniority guard their seniority with like 
a viciousness right, yeah, <laughs> that right. doesn't make room for the new guys. But when you looked at the old way, it was like, this is how we bring people up. And that apprenticeship model is the closest modern thing that we have to discipleship in the Old Testament world and uh, or, or first century world. And to see the Pope leaning heavily on that brings me great joy because I think that's – I don't want to be your buddy. Yeah, right. When I see these high school kids, I'm like, you got tons of buddies. Yeah. The last thing you need for me is to be a buddy. Is right. some guy who's going to be a right. buddy. But what you do need is an older brother yeah. or uh, a father figure yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I don't want to be your father would be figure. Kind of I don't you, have my life. You'd be the weird uncle. Oh gosh, <laughs> you would say yeah. that. You, would no, you say are. That. You're the strange uncle. And the- so do all them. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> no, you know, um, I, I, I totally agree. And I, in my own life, it has totally been that way. Like. I think about my relationship with one one of my pastors, you know, that I worked for. It was exactly what the Pope was talking about, that like I would just be pushing, 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 pushing. And like my pastor who was older and calmer and it had a not just older, but had like an old soul kind of, you know, he was the one who would be like, yeah, Okay, Dave, yeah. keep your eye on this, keep your eye on that, you know. And it worked so well. And I just like got everything I could out of that relationship, you know, because it was so, he was so wise in, in those kinds of things. And it, it even to the point now where like I work for a very young priest, I was nervous about taking the job because it's like, well, no, I need the old sage wisdom of, you know, of this guy. But I'll tell you another part about the document that I loved when he talks about community. And he says, you know, when you're, he said something about being enthused about living in community that then you're capable of sacrificing for others. And I really, yeah. really like that because there's such a, not just forced isolation, but a chosen isolation now of like, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make myself an individual and I'm going to, I'm, and I'm going to stand out and, and this kind of thing. And there's, there's so little about sacrificing for others. And, yeah. you know, no, no one, no one really knows Everyone is so selfish now. Even, even the way that people enter into family life a lot of times is so selfish. You know, where they, they kind of like make a list of their duties and that's it. You know, and and then the, and then the rest mm-hmm. of their life is theirs. So I really liked what he said by that because um, life in common, when you're excited about it, you know, it it is something that it finally you're ready to start sacrificing for others, which is the gospel. Yeah. So for those of you who have never read the document, it's it's nine. Nine chapters, 259 paragraphs. So it's not a small document. And the way I broke it down in my head was part one is chapters one to four. And that's what I would call Christocentrism of youth ministry. Like he wants to ground. Chapter two goes through like, how did we get here? What are the youth like? The digital natives and all that stuff. But it's really about like putting Christ at the center of their lives. And then part two is the practicals of applying that to youth ministry settings. And that would be chapters um, five, five, six, and seven. And then eight and nine, I would say, are part three, where it's very Ignatian. It talks about discernment and vocation. Yeah. Those are the right, two chapters, right. and which is a very you know Jesuit thing to yeah. do. Right. Um, and that, that kind of like discernment of spirits is throughout the whole document, right? Um, it's throughout his whole yeah, pontificate. <laughs> He, yeah, he, this right. is an yeah, Ignatian absolutely. experiment of of the Pope right now, basically. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought uh, the 
the Jesuits have been running the papacy for <laughs> centuries now. Conspiracy! <laughs> no, so uh, it, it's cool to see that and to come across like as I'm on my second read, I'm like, oh yeah, here's the sign of the times that you're discerning. Yeah. And, you know, here is the, the you know, the he, he dips into discernment language very easily. But what I did when I led the provincial assembly is I said, I want everyone tonight before you come back to our meeting tomorrow morning to read chapter four. Okay. And the cool thing about the document, he says in, in the beginning, is some of this document is written to young people. And some of this document is written to the bishops, priests, and lay people of the parish as a whole. He said, but I want everyone to read the whole document. Right, because both categories, because I basically he wants to model how we talk to young people, and for the youth in South America and in Europe, it's different than for us. Youth basically means middle school, high school, but for them, it means mostly college and older. Right, right, right. and um, that's why when I go to World Youth Day, I'm like, why am I surrounded by 25 year olds? I know, I know. <laughs> and I brought and I brought 15 year olds, <laughs> but uh, the the experience of going through this in chapter four is him preaching the kerygma to young people, right? And so I said, we're not going to go through this, but I want you to pray through this tonight so that when we go through chapter five and six together, you're you're ready to rock and roll. Right. And so that would be one of the, the pieces of advice. Francis, uh, Pope Francis is great in the charismatic proclamation. He's a very, like Dave pointed out, he's a very positive guy. He finds different ways, positive approach. He finds different ways of, drawing people who don't want to hear it uh drawing them into the message yeah. and uh he said one thing that has really stuck with me uh for my ministry overall he said remember that the kerygma is not to be discarded for mature catechesis or something like yeah. that but rather mature catechesis is an ever deepening of the kerygma you never leave it behind and I realized like that, the way he said that was exactly how I've been doing my inclusion class, right? Like every class, no matter what topic, the papacy, Mary, grace and salvation, whatever it is, I always tie it back to the Paschal mystery. And I realized that the more I give talks now, the more I do that, it's an organizing principle for sure, me. Yeah. But I realized like, yeah, that I'm deepening the kerygma in that approach, like you can't talk about these topics without reference to Christ. But I feel like in a lot of ways, like we would talk about the sacraments and you could talk about matter, form, administer, recipient, you know, effects, and never talk about the dying and rising Lord that of course, powers yeah. it, you know? In fact, not only of course, but in fact, we grew up in an era where that is that was what happened. They they dissected theology so much that they took the person out, basically, or they made him into a historical figure yeah. for sure. Yeah, and I just think about the catechesis. Like when I was after when I was in elementary school and we had moved, there was this element where no one knew matter, form, yeah, yeah, priest, recipient, and it was all just symbols, right? Right, and you talked about the symbol of water and the symbol, but you never communicated to effective action or grace or anything like that. So. It, it is great to hear that. And, um, you know, one of the big takeaways uh, from that document is the central theme of his pontificate and Evangelii Gaudium and a lot of his addresses, which is, okay, they're not coming to us anymore. Neat. Yeah, Get over right. it. Now go to them. Go to them. You know, wh what are we doing just sitting there waiting? Like, oh, how do I get more kids in my youth group? I don't know. Go to where they already are. Yeah. Satan's youth group is so much bigger than ours. Yeah. 
You know, go go where they are. And I love that appeal. I love that appeal. Because that's for all of us. That's what this show is all about. Yeah. The realization that Christendom is dead, so we need to go out into the streets and public places like the first apostles. Pope John Paul said that. That's paradigmatic. Yeah. And I think, you know, the best youth ministers I've had did exactly that. You know, they went to yeah. went to the football games, went to the schools, did everything they could, you know, to to smell like the sheep, you know. So yeah. I, I I enjoyed it. And I it enjoyed funny, the document. That- I, I did. I enjoyed it. There I I'm in such a such a strange place right now where I, I read everything and I'm like kind of jumpy, you know. But this yeah. I, I really enjoyed a lot like most of this document. So Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that smell like the sheep. So I was when I was being somewhat critical and just saying you need to be around him, you need to be around him. You don't need to run it. You don't need to run no, the youth right. night. But if you're present that is more than enough. Like, yes, I value this. I value you. And uh, then I said, you know, we have to be honest with ourselves. Too often we no longer smell like the sheep. And all the priests in the thing go, uh-huh. Yeah. And it's like that line. That line is really a money line. That'll, live, oh, yeah. that'll endure oh, yeah. his pontificate. Oh, yeah. Because it's yeah. perfect. It really is perfect. It describes our situation as our church. Like, we're comfortable smelling of frankincense, not smelling yeah. like... Uh, you know the sheep out in the world. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that you know uh, the pastor I was talking about before. He he was that was one of the major things about him is that there was very rarely an event that went on at the parish that he did not go to. You know, it just he just that was his life. You know, the parish was his life, and people knew him so well. Yeah. And it, it it makes all the difference in the world. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. When we come back, uh, me and Dave are each going to give you a takeaway from the document, and then uh, so that you can, you know, you know, you don't have to be in charge of youth ministry, but you need to be thinking about evangelizing the young people, or else we're going to have oh, yeah. a church that's going to be dead in in one generation. So we're going to each come back with one takeaway, and then we're going to throw it out there. But I want to remind everyone. Email us at EKSB at EscensionPress.com. We are here. We are still committed to this, even though our lives have been nuts. Um, and uh, yeah, so email us questions, concerns, uh, cool situations, glory stories where you've been able to preach the gospel. I know a lot of you are telling me that the takeaways are hard, but um, definitely worth it. So, so we'll be right back with Practical Takeaways. When you're a busy mom, it can seem like God comes in second place to everything else. As Catholics, we know that God should be at the center of our lives. We know we should be planning around him instead of trying to plan him around our schedules. But it's so hard when you're juggling all the logistics. Back for a third year to help mothers put God at the center is a Catholic Mother's Planner. A planner designed by Catholic mothers for Catholic mothers to help you and your family live with God at the center of your schedule. To help you do this, the planner includes inspirational quotes from saints and scripture, novena start dates, saints feast days, family recipes, activities to celebrate feast days, and so much more. The Catholic Mother's Planner has sold out within months every year, so be sure to order yours today. To reserve your copy of the 2022 Catholic Mother's Planner, go to ascensionpress.com slash plan around God. That's ascensionpress.com slash plan around God. 
All righty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to every, I said Mac, welcome Mac to every knee shall bow. Dave, can I tell you a really quick, funny story? Yeah. I'd love to. So I went out and then I, I had, I had to use the restroom real quick after I talked to that person and I went to get a drink from a water fountain and I feel like there must be a hidden camera somewhere up here in my <laughs> church because the water sprays so high and far beyond the actual <laughs> like i'm like shouldn't this like barely come out it like shot it's one of those where there's like a little one right, and a big yeah, right, one right next right. to each other and it went into the drain of the big one <laughs> like it was crazy that is crazy so now i'm How zany so now i'm covered in water church life <laughs> zany church <even>. life <laughs> hashtag hashtag that. yeah all right, so we are coming back with our two practical takeaways, one from Dave, one from me, from Christus Vivit. And I think uh, talking about youth ministry is a really good thing that we need to keep doing because we are we are not doing a good job evangelizing yeah, and, people. And, and so, Dave, why also, don't you go first? Also, there's yeah. so much in this document that is practical to the whole church, you know, not just youth ministry. Mm -hmm. There's so much in it. So I, I'd recommend everybody read it. Yeah. My favorite uh, quote, and what I'm going to use as my practical takeaway, I think think it was from paragraph 35, but I, I don't have the document in front of me. But uh, he says, the church is young when she shows herself capable of constantly returning to her source. The church is young when she shows herself capable of constantly returning to her source. And I think that for a lot of people, and I've, I've just heard this recently even come out of somebody's mouth where they're like, I'm too old to do this. I'm too old to do that. And I think that you don't have to worry so much about your age. What you have to worry about is constantly returning to the source, constantly returning to Jesus Christ, because he's always, he, he makes things ever new, you know, and that is a catching thing. It's, it's something that people want to follow. And so I, I think don't worry so much about, Oh, I gotta, I gotta be more like the young people. I gotta learn their vernacular or something like that. No, just continually renew yourself by returning to the source as the church does and and that will make you young in 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 spirit yeah yeah and mine would be uh when he's doing a very practical application to youth ministry as a whole he talks about creating a place where young people can feel free to come and go as they please and i think our initial reaction to that is a youth room a dedicated space just for the youth and if you run a parish or you're at a parish, you know, maybe you can, and you have the funds or the space or whatever. Yeah. Creating a room set aside for the young people to feel at home. And that's very much the heart of his, his document is to create youth ministry as a home away from home. But I started thinking of when I was a teenager and that house that we all went to yeah. our friend's right. house that we all went to and even if our friend wasn't home yet, we would just hang out with yeah. the parents. Right. Yeah. You know, and that was never my house, but it was my friend Jessica's house. And Jessica's parents were awesome, devout Catholics, and they knew how to talk to teenagers. And we all knew how to talk to adults because of them, yeah. Yeah. you know? And so I just think like, if you're, if you're just an average person, you got a family, maybe you got a kid in high school or middle school or whatever. Is your home a place where young people can come and go freely? Right. Um, you know, your home, if you're at a parish, you know, do we work to make spaces where they can feel like they're welcome? Because often they don't. If they don't get liturgy, then all they know of the church is the mass. And so what we want to help do is broaden it to the whole community, right? 
And I think that that's a that's an excellent way to help the youth encounter Christ. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Dave, I love you, and it is so good to talk to you. Okay. Well, let's just calm it down a little bit there, Gomer. Just kidding. Nope. Nope. <laughs> just kidding. It, it has been good. It's it's like uh, life's a little bit more normal again. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm just sending you heart emojis on Skype. <laughs> I don't even know how to do that, so I can't do it back. I, one day you'll learn. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Every Knee Shall Bow with Gomer and David. Boom. How awesome is Mark that? it down. Boom. <laughs> Mark it down. August 31st, Tuesday. You're hearing this on the 1st of September. God bless y'all. Stay classy. God bless.